so again, how I say we all have to work together is yes, as individuals, we can apply pressure to large corporations who do have the means and the funds to change over their entire production line. It will take time, but if they're transparent about it and saying, okay, this is the first stage in us achieving this goal, and then say, okay, now we're on to stage two. And that's easier to follow. And you're like, okay, there's a bit more trust there. That was a snippet from my interview with Romina. She is the founder behind Eco-Friendly Events. It is a consulting agency that supports event organizers and businesses by bringing a holistic, accessible, and realistic approach to implement green initiatives at your next event or corporate retreat, wherever it may be. She is here to help your organization or your business when it comes to sustainable planning. We had a really interesting discussion that covers a lot of important topics around values behind finding your alignment with sustainable goals, but also how different uh, organizations, whether you are a small nonprofit to a large multinational corporation, there's info in here that takes from Amina's varied background of experience working with other businesses and we really dash and dive into understanding leaving no stone unturned how you can make and have a really eco-friendly event i definitely think you're going to enjoy this episode and if you have enjoyed the episode after listening definitely take some time and share this with someone that you think could benefit whose next event could become more sustainable. Thanks for listening so much. This is your host, Alex Leonard. The Sustainable Kind Show is brought to you by AL Media. We are Sustainable Media. Romina, thank you so much for being with me here today on The Sustainable Kind. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure to have you here to chat with me about the work that you're doing within sustainability always like to speak with inspiring people and it's that much cooler as we just discovered you were literally a few blocks away from me downtown Toronto west Toronto so that's fun um doesn't always happen with my guests so just a little uh tidbit a little easter egg for those who are listening uh so you specialize in helping medium to large size companies providing consultation around how they can make their events their conferences and really their day-to-day practices more sustainable, taking a a kind of holistic approach to understanding how they can work um, towards embracing values around what they can do to improve the atmosphere, the environment, and as well their own uh, day-to-day practices. And so I'd love for you to share a bit more about your company Uh, who you typically work with, and how long you've been in this space. Yeah, um, thank you, Alex, for having me here. I am very excited. I guess to start off, my name is Romina. I use she, her pronouns, and my business is called Eco-Friendly Events. And like Alex mentioned, I initially started my business because I saw a gap in the events industry and environmental sustainability and wanted to bridge that gap and help event planners and organizers implement green initiatives at a holistic level. So not just doing one thing because it was the green thing to do. And um, 
I started this in about 2019. So it's been a couple years. Um, and then of course the last few years have been, um, there have been no in-person events, at least not here in Ontario, not as many for large scale events. And so my pivot and the focus now is helping businesses to do the same. So outside of their marketing and event efforts is how can we connect your staff and your and the people that work for your business? How do we get them to buy in and also lead action and change within the business? So I see a lot of businesses changing what they're doing operationally, looking at their supply chain, saying they're going to go net zero or carbon neutral by 2030. And so my questions is always, how are you doing that? What is the action plan? And how do we get your staff and the people on board with that action plan when you weren't necessarily a green business to begin with? So if you weren't, I don't know, Patagonia, for example, where you did care right from the get-go, um, and so you attract employees that have the same beliefs and values. Um, so if you're not that sort of business, then yeah, let's get your staff on board so that they can do things day to day, like you mentioned, Alex, um, that support the ultimate goals of the organization. Yeah, I love that. Uh, really connecting staff to sustainability and helping them like lead that action and create a positive change within those habits that we all have that sometimes can be hard to implement. Um, but creating an ease systems and processes and incentivizing certain positive actions, I think can go a long way and it doesn't need to be much. Um, one thing that I'd like that you talk about is working with businesses who are maybe like not the shiny standard, right? <laughs> you gotta tread lightly how you say that, but so to speak, right? And it's interesting, it came up in a conversation I had recently uh, with a fellow a photographer uh, and she was talking about how she is unsure about, you know, how to find businesses that align with her values and being hesitant to work with businesses that maybe don't align with her values, but maybe are trying to do good or are on route to do good. So I guess that's a question that I would ask you is how do you find the businesses that you wanna work with and how do you overcome maybe some of those uh, hesitations you might have if say like, <laughs> they maybe aren't traditionally as sustainable, but you can tell that they're putting those efforts in, right? Like, do, would you still work with them? What is kind of your thought process when that opportunity comes up? That is such a great question and really ties in nicely what I talked about yesterday at a workshop that I did. Um, but basically it's, once you figure out your values, so to your photographer friend and everybody else who's listening is, what are your values and what are your values around sustainability? So I coined, well, I like to think I coined the term eco values. Um, and what, so yeah, what do you care about within the environment? And is it that you care about veganism? Is it that you care that you're supporting local? Is it that it's made of an eco-friendlier material? Um, not all of, all of these things align and sometimes they do conflict. So you need to figure out what it is that you care about and then actually communicate that through your website, through your marketing efforts, 
And I build it into my discovery call process. So in my form, when you're contacting me before we hop on that virtual call or phone call, I already have an idea of what your business is because I ask for your website. I do a little bit of digging. Um, Do you care about the environment or do you want sort of like that shiny stamp of approval that you've done something? Um, Because for me, it's always about the authentic action. I don't care if we're doing one thing for the entire event or you change one action in your life. I really, truly believe that it's the incremental but impactful actions that we take together as a collective. So as an individual, yes, I don't have as much impact or as a small business owner, I don't have as much impact as larger corporations or the government. But together, we all have a responsibility and we share that responsibility. So for me, it's, yes, it's weeding out people I don't necessarily want to work with, but it's the same way that you weed out a a potential client that you don't want to work with outside of sustainability. Why would you want to work with them? Why do they like you? Why do you like them? And it's, yes, sustainability can be an important aspect of that if you are trying to head into that direction or those are the types of businesses you want to work with. But I would, yeah, push back and ask your, and say, ask yourself, what are those values? Communicate those values and just have that conversation in that discovery call to say, hey, do you care about this? What are you doing right now in your business or how, whatever it is their, your client is? Um, what is it that you're already doing? And then you can see if that matches up. Yeah, that makes sense, right? So trying to just learn more information, right? Not necessarily judging a company by their website, so to speak, or, you know, book by its cover, but actually going in deeper, having that conversation and really working to find out what's resonating with this organization. Is there certain values that they have or that they may have communicated or that has come out through that discovery call that would give you that ding 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 moment where you go okay you know you guys get it or you're starting to get it and therefore you've earned my trust and I'm I'm happy to to work with you and for you what what does that process look like from the initial moment of discovery to either a referral or testimonial or review, walk me through, I guess, like your pipeline or like your flywheel, how you kind of attract clients top of funnel to um, working with them again or providing that like final turnaround where you're nurturing that relationship. Yeah. So for me, I don't necessarily have um, a set in stone sort of sales funnel or that sort of thing. Um, It's mostly been through networking, word of mouth. And once somebody contacts me or sends me an opportunity, say, hey, you can submit a proposal for this event to consult on, et cetera, et cetera. um, It really just starts there. And for me, I always, always have a conversation. Um, even if we've chatted a little bit in email, I always want to get on a phone call or zoom call of sorts, um, to really get down to, yeah, what do you care about and how can I support that? Um, everyone has different ideas of what a sustainable event is, or 
um, what they want to do with within their event and their organization. And so it's really like customizing that and something that I've heard a lot in my testimonials sort of at the end is nobody ever feels ashamed about where they're starting, um, whether they're a certified B corporation and they care so much, or they're a big, I don't want to name them, but you know, the organizations that don't do so well for the planet, um, whether they're doing nothing at all or they're, and they have interests, I never want to shame somebody for where they're starting. Um, Cause everybody had to start somewhere. Like I wasn't the most eco-friendly my whole life. I still not some, I have good days and I have bad days. So um, yeah, from start to finish, it's just basically, yeah. Once we have that discovery call and I decide that I do want to work with them, we work together, whichever capacity that is, whether it's consulting on the event, whether it is doing corporate team workshops, like lunch and learns. Um, and then at the end is having that conversation. Hey, what did you learn? What are you taking with you? What action are you taking um, moving forward after we've worked together? Hey, I just want to take a quick moment here in the sustainable kind and ask that if you're listening to this and you're finding tremendous value or that uh, this is an interesting episode, I would really appreciate if you could take a quick moment and either take a screenshot of the episode or copy the link from wherever you're listening and share it with someone close to you that you know cares about environmental issues who you think would benefit from listening to this conversation. Thanks so much. Let's jump back into the episode. Mm, yeah, there's a few things I want to dive into deeper. Um, first, I want to come back to that idea of what did you learn what action are you taking and speak about that that idea of like a follow-up like a direct result is that something where you provide like some sort of system or how are you coming back and proving that return on investment for your clients do you provide them like with here are the actions that we discussed? Do you have them work through find like you know self-discovery where, where they provide you and you provide initial feedback? What is essentially that final deliverable that you're often seeing from your clients that is making them take that next step towards um, embracing these sustainable practices for themselves and their teams? Yeah, so um, I'll bring it up into two parts, um, one with mm. the events and then one with the workshops. So with the workshops, it's actually not just a one-off workshop that I like to do, preferably it's two. Okay. So one is giving out the information. So for example, I recently did a food waste workshop. We talked about the various ways food waste and loss, where that comes from, what it means. And then I challenged everyone to say, okay, so for the next four weeks, what are four different actions you're going to try at home to reduce your food waste? Mm. And I gave lots of examples. And my firm belief is that what I do to be more sustainable isn't going to work for everybody. We all have different lifestyles. We don't live the same way. We don't have the same habits. We're not the same people. And so it's individually figuring out what is going to work. And so in four weeks time, we're having another workshop where I'm holding everyone accountable to the actions that they said that they were going to take and nice. to discuss the results of it. 
So that is more what you had mentioned, Alec, the personal self-discovery, because I'm not going to know if switching to a sponge cloth in your kitchen is going to work for you. Or if you stop eating like meat, for example, it's not always going to work and you need to figure that out. Um, Just kind of switch gears a little bit on the event side is, yes, I'm going to come in with my recommendations based on multiple discussions we have about the event itself. And then at the end, I actually produce a final report to showcase Mm -hmm. all of the results, how much waste we diverted from landfill and stuff like that. And working with other vendors or frienders um, that I um, partner with to build out this larger report so that companies can see, okay, for this event, we've done this, this, and this. And if it's an annual event, which is sort of, or like, event that repeats itself throughout the year, we can make improvements. It's like, okay, we did this. Now, how can we do better and build on top of it um, rather than just a one-off thing? Gotcha. Okay. That's really cool. So this is like a process. It's not just coming in, sharing your insights and then leaving. This will happen over a series of weeks. You're holding people accountable. You're giving them ideas what they can take that home there's a variety of options. And then when you're coming back, and then on top of that, it's not just checking in, but it's also creating a final report. You're trying to, and often succeeding in giving them tangible results, you know, data points. They could be like, you know, congrats, your collective actions had this reduction in your carbon emissions, your, you know, collective action, you know, did X, Y, Z. And that's part of that whole process and I think like that final step, I would imagine is really where like a lot of light bulbs turn on and people can see the, the compound results of not only their own actions, but like on a team, you know, of various sizes, what that impact and that, that beneficial factor is when everyone implements these positive uh, behaviors and these positive habits. Yeah, so um, I just wanted to clarify. So with the workshops, I don't create a report for those. I create a report for the events consulting Mm. side. With the workshops, it's all about the self-discovery and really seeing. So in the food waste workshop, for example, I made them take a photo and and audit themselves to see how much food was actually being thrown out. And um, at the end, Again, I'll again be asking everybody, take a photo, see how much food waste you have left and um, or like how much you've been able to reduce and you can visually see that. Um, It's next to impossible for me to calculate it for like a team of 30 plus people who live all across the country um, or city. So yeah, I just wanted to clarify that I don't necessarily do a report for the workshops, but I do in fact do them for the events. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No. Good point of clarification. Understandable. That'd be kind of hard. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're driving across the city. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Which, and uh, how sustainable uh, is that? So. Yeah. Totally. No. 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 That's yeah. That's interesting. Um. So one of the other things I wanted to come back to that you were mentioning was the idea, uh, about not say holding companies, um, and critiquing those who say have some sort of initial mandate. And this is this is a, a tricky one, and I don't know if there's the right answer. So let's go down this path, see where it takes us. Um, 
to take to take the devil's advocate here, I think that sometimes people would say that well, we're running out of time. We we don't have time to to give everybody participation awards. We don't have time to pat say like BP oil or Coca Cola on the back, right? That they're still not doing enough. And then I think that these people might even say, you know, the Pantagonias, right? Like they're not even doing enough. The Max, they're not doing enough, right? Like they could always be doing more, right? And I think that it it's an interesting argument to make because on one hand, I can see that there's value to always applying this pressure so that we're not just letting people off the hook because I think that opens up like the greenwashing, Mm -hmm. you know, classic argument. But on the other hand, I think it creates a case of the buckets where if these companies who are like kind of on the fence, see everyone's being flamed for trying to do good. And then like, well, you know, you know, we're doomed if we do, we're doomed if we don't. We're not going to make the mob happy. They're going to be pissed either way. So let's just keep on polluting. Right. And it's like, what is the right response? I, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear maybe your, My take your on response it. to that counter. Yeah. Um, I am very much a lot of the time on the train of, yes, these corporations are not doing enough. And I think part of the problem is they're not being transparent. So they are setting these big goals or they're saying, yes, we're making changes. And as a consumer, you don't know how many bottles Coca-Cola has already packed and shipped out. Like maybe you saw an advertisement, they're doing something better, but you don't see it physically on the shelves yet. And it's like, it, there's a trickle fe- effect. It takes time. Um, so yes, they can do more, but I also offer like, what is it that they can do more, right? Like so many people are quick to point out faults in others, other companies, Um are you taking action as an individual? Are you writing to these companies and actually offering solutions? Are you having conversations? Um, they need to know and hear from consumers, hey, we want this as part of, so again, how I say we all have to work together is yes, as individuals, we can apply pressure to large corporations who do have the means and the funds to change over their entire production line. It will take time, but if they're transparent about it and saying, okay, this is the first stage in us achieving this goal and then say, okay, now we're on to stage two and that's easier to follow. And you're like, okay, there's a bit more trust there. Um, and then at the same time, our government also has to hold these um, corporations accountable. They have to say, okay, you didn't meet these targets. Then maybe there's a fine you have to pay. Maybe you pay more taxes. I don't know what the solution is necessarily, but we all play a part. And it's the same thing as individuals when we vote in a democracy, because we're so lucky to have that in Canada, is voting for the people who, yeah, support your values or who are going to take action. Um, I, know, I don't want to get into a political uh, conversation about, you know, the depths of that. But yeah, we all collectively have to work together. And I think, yes, we can all do more um, at the end of the day, as an individual, as a corporation, small businesses and the government, we can all do more. It is slow moving. And I totally understand all the naysayers who say, we don't have time. We don't have time. And it's like, yes, 
we don't necessarily have time, but it is going to take time, unfortunately. And as long as we're moving in the right direction and they're being mindful and transparent about it, then I think there has to be some merit in that. Yeah, no, I think that's a good response. I think it kind of comes back to the question of like, you know, it's easier to be a critic than it is to be a creator, right? It's easier to, to point the finger outwards, but not reflect on your own actions, your own impact. Exactly. To accuse Coca-Cola, but then still have Buy Coca-Cola. St- so, buying Coca-Cola, yeah. <laughs> having steak, you know, or buying Pepsi, right? Whatever that is in this case. Uh, no, no I, I, I like that. I like that response. I think you handled that well. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so another question I have for you is, uh, have you ever doubted the trajectory of where we're going and the impact that organizations or that you can have with your own business and um, felt that you wouldn't be where you are now? And how did you kind of overcome some of those like fears and anxieties? I have those daily daily fears, daily anxieties of what's the point, we should just give up, um, and just a lot of self-doubt and imposter syndrome. And part of it, yeah, it's a constant battle. And I think especially as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, if you're working alone, um, it's so difficult. But it's really looking at why do I care about the environment? What is motivating me? And keeping... um, my eyes on that is just, okay, how much progress have we made thus far? How can we continue to move the needle to push it forward um, and not just focus on like the daunting, like climate change, the world's going to end. I like to see the positive. I like to focus on the positive and have those reminders, surround myself with people who do care, have these types of conversations, um, whether it's on a show and podcast or just having a coffee chat about it. And saying, hey, like, how can we help each other? How do we help each other? Um, And I feel like, especially in the sustainability space, we all have a common goal. It doesn't matter if you also do the same thing that I do. You cannot possibly serve all of the event planners out there. Um, There's enough for everybody. And really, at the end of the day, we all care about climate change. So if you are going to do your part over there with those clients and I do my part here we're ultimately achieving what we want yeah no I like that I think I think it's pretty common in the entrepreneur space that we're all faced with a lot of that anxiety is a lot we talked about before we start recording but it can be like a lonely journey right and I think it's important to find a community like you were talking to me about some of the communities that you're involved in um that to help each other support one another i think that's really powerful so kudos to you for being involved in, in those organizations um and i think kind of what you're talking about right like a lot of some of those ideas right at the end there it comes back to the whole difference between an abundance and a scarcity mindset yeah. and embracing the idea that no one's ever taking business away from you I think we can internalize that, that, you know, paranoia, that frustration when you're not, say, closing or winning as much, you think someone's taking that business. But in reality, 
think it's worthwhile to assess, well, you know, what are you doing? Like, and always being the captain of your own ship and realizing that you will create the opportunity, you will create the reality in which you live in and the opportunities that come to you. Obviously there's an element of luck, but luck is typically just those who are prepared plus those who are mindful of when that opportunity presents itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> awesome. Um, what's a secret or a, like a lesson that you know now um, as an entrepreneur that you wish you had known earlier that you would maybe share with somebody, say maybe even yourself five years ago? It will, it's worth it, but it will take longer than you think. The task, the goal, the project, everything always takes longer um, and just trust in the process. Yeah, so true. Things typically do take longer uh, than we give them time for. And that's just part of life. And so for you, when you have projects that maybe aren't going or you're dealing with a lot of requests, maybe you're in a bit of a lull and then all of a sudden you have like, boom, 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 everybody wants you. It's just like, you know, busier times of year. I'm sure we can both relate to that. A lot of people can relate to yeah. that. What are some ways that you handle that stress and uh, busy calendar? How do you allocate your time effectively when you're dealing with on-season and off-season? Well, working in the events industry, event planners are probably one of the most stressed, high-stress people and <laughs> jobs that exist. Um, and so it's really just project management, having systems in place behind the scenes, um, whether it is, yeah, um, like a CRM or your like calendar, but blocking out time, um, for specific types of work. So maybe it's scheduling calls only on Tuesdays so that you can spend all day Monday doing working on your business and things behind the scenes. And then the rest of the week is dedicated to clients. Um, I think it's definitely a learning process for everybody. Everybody handles things differently. So I can't say one size fits all and what works for me again, won't work for you, but it, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, you just have to kind of collect bits and pieces of information and it's just all about trial and error. Yeah, I think time allocation is a really important topic and being able to use your time effectively and allocate those time blocks is a really good strategy for, for building a game plan and keeping yourself accountable for that, right? Having that weekly s- schedule that you're checking emails within X to Y, or you're handling those calls and that lead communication. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a really good point. Um, and so kind of coming close to the end here, uh, if people wanted to connect with you, if people wanted to follow up, learn more about the work that you're doing, how can they reach you? How can they find you? Where are you on social media? Do you have a website? Part of the Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you can find me at ecofriendlyevents.ca. And I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at ecofriendly.events. 
And um, for anyone who's actually interested in planning their own eco-friendly event with some assistance, I do have a free eco-friendly party planning guide. And that is ecofriendlyevents.ca slash eco-party-planning. That's awesome. So we'll include show links for that as well. That sounds like a really useful uh, guide. So maybe talk to me a little bit about what's in that party planning guide. Um, yeah, so it's for smaller scale events. So it's a house, whether it's a house party, um, a birthday party, something a little bit more smaller scale is helping you ask those questions in the various areas of planning an event. So what are some questions that you need to ask about the space that you're holding the event? Um, questions about your food and catering, um, whether you are ordering food or just going to the grocery store and grabbing finger foods, um, just considerations to ask yourself before you're just instantly making that purchase. So it's a guy that you can use over and over again um, to help provoke those thoughts and those um, changes in your mindset. I love that. That's, yeah, that's super cool. And kind of working for that, that smaller scale event that I'm sure, you know, we can understand being in Ontario, it's a lot of those right now because of COVID, yeah. hopefully not for much longer, but uh, yeah, that's really useful. Thanks for sharing that. I'll definitely include a link to that. Um, so a few more questions. Was there anything that we didn't get a chance to chat about but what's on your mind, something coming into this, maybe it's a new product, service, anything that you wanted to share or give a shout out to, you know, it's your mom or something. <laughs> um, I can't really think of anything in particular. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is The Art of Gathering, which is a book by Priya mm -hmm. Parker. Okay. Whether you plan events or you don't, um, highly recommend it. She's just so much, she really sets a lot of intention around planning a gathering and making it sort of not quote unquote like worth it almost but not um but just why are making you ask questions like why are you hosting an event what is the purpose behind it mm -hmm. and I think it just really aligns with how I think about event sustainability how do we plan with more intention um with with keeping the environment in mind but also just in general for the gathering so that's art of gathering by uh, Priya Parker. Yes. Um, awesome. That sounds like a really interesting book. Uh, I see she has a presentation here about it. So I may give that a listen after yeah. this. Uh, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And so my uh, last question to you is if you had one wish that this was like your sustainability wish you know, you can wave a wand and this would be a practice, a change, something that you would see take place uh, around the world. What would that be for a more sustainable future? Oh, that's such a tough one. Um, I would want everybody, so whether they're a corporation, government, individual, to take at least one action um, in relation to the amount of impact that they could have towards becoming more sustainable. So take an action and just have that action be mindful for what that, the amount of impact that they're having on the environment and like reducing that footprint essentially. Exactly, exactly. So if it's an oil company, they stop mining oil and <laughs> invest into renewables. And if you're an individual, maybe it's stopping the purchase of single-use coffee cups. Hmm. Yeah. 
yeah so just as an example yeah no I like that encouraging people to be more mindful and to do what they can I think exactly. a lot of people do just shove it off yeah. it's not my problem I can't make a difference but mm-hmm. people to try and have an impact yeah exactly exactly that's really nice thank you so much Romina it's been an absolute pleasure again speaking with you and learning a little bit more about your business and the great work that you're doing on the event side. And I think it's really uh, interesting angle that you've brought uh, to the show. And uh, yeah, just want to congratulate you for all the uh, hard work that you're doing. And hopefully you get a chance to meet up soon, ideally at an event here <laughs> in, uh, here in, in Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Alex. And I look forward to staying connected with you and everyone else that's listening. What an inspiring interview. Thank you so much, Romina, for coming on and sharing a bit more about the work that you do with eco-friendly events. Be sure if you've enjoyed this episode and you just want to take a look and to learn more about sustainable consulting and corporate workshops, you can visit ecofriendlyevents.ca and you'll be able to find a link for that as well in the show notes definitely check out the Instagram and the Facebook. That's ecofriendly.events. It's just a quick reminder. And if you want a free eco-friendly party planning guide, and so you can find that at ecofriendlyevents.ca slash eco-party-planning. So definitely check those resources out. They're totally free and they will be of use. And I hope that you go back and continue to listen to more of the sustainable kind. I got a lot of great episodes. And of course, I am the host of another podcast, The Creative Kind. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. And again, Romina, for coming on the show to share some really interesting insights about the work that you're doing here in Toronto and also abroad. If you have a guest idea for The Sustainable Kind show, I'd love to hear it. Send me a quick email at info at alexleonardmedia.com and I look forward to seeing those and to continuing to grow this show. Cheers. Thanks for listening. This is Alex Leonard, host of the Creative Kind podcast and owner of the creative company AL Media. My business specializes in videos, mural paintings, and illustrations. From working as a radio DJ, journalist, illustrator, painter, and now video editor, I've worn many creative hats. So visit alexleonardmedia.com to work together.